Argentina and Lionel Messi will be trying to win their first World Cup since 1986, and France will try to beat them and become the first repeat winners since Brazil did it in 1958 and 1962. What is up, everyone? Welcome to It's Called Soccer. My name is Jake. I'm a UEFA C licensed coach, and I am joined by my co-host, Tom, who is a soccer stats nerd, future doctor of the universe. How are you, Tom? What's going on? Uh, kind of tired, doing, doing okay. It's a very weird day where, uh, I just finished an all nighter, uh, getting my last final exam done for the semester. So I'm out of the semester now, but we are kind of snowed in by a blizzard here in state college. Got four inches right now, expected to get 18 by the end of the night. So I'm just sort of bundled up, ready to talk some soccer and try and stay warm. Nice. That's a a good opportunity. Then if you are snowed in, I'm about four hours east of you and I'm currently getting sleeting rain for the entire day. So not quite as bad, but definitely a nice day to stay inside and talk some soccer. So mm. to everyone watching and listening today, we're recapping what we saw in the semifinal matches, the three nil victory of Argentina over Croatia and the two nil victory of France over Morocco. And obviously we're going to dive in and do a breakdown preview of the final that is going to be on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern time between Argentina and France. Is Messi the greatest of all time? Can Mbappe pass Messi's greatness? All of that and more on this episode. But first, if you do want to see some of these episodes a day early, and if you want other exclusive benefits, you can join the YouTube membership. That button is down below, as well as become a Patreon. You can get all of those benefits as well. Shout out to all of our It's Called Soccer Patreons and members. Thank you for supporting the independent coverage of the best sport in the world. And I hope you are enjoying your exclusive benefits. All right, Tom, let's break down Argentina 3, Croatia nil. What did you see from this match? This was just a great team performance from Argentina. It was their best performance so far for the World Cup. I think there were concerns coming in about the way their midfield would handle Modric and Perisic, but they looked stout defensively. They pretty much shut down Croatia offensively, and those devastating counterattacks were just, they were so impressive. I I was amazed watching Argentina play. It was not the game I expected at all. Uh, What were your initial thoughts on it? Yeah, I I thought it was going to be a lot closer. Um, The fact that Messi had that penalty early on. And then the the point at which Argentina goes up 2-0 before halftime, that makes the game a lot less interesting, right? Croatia <laughs> is not a team that you are going to expect to come back from multi-goals down. Croatia is a team that scores one. Maybe you get two out of them and they try and get you to penalties. But I think the way that that game went played right into Argentina's hands, the fact that they had the second at halftime If it was the other way around where Croatia had two goals and Argentina was trying to come back, that would have been a much more interesting second half in that game. But I thought Argentina did really well to just manage that match, make sure that Croatia couldn't get back into it. But at the same time, Croatia is really not built to do that. Now, something that I found really interesting as well was that Julian Alvarez, the striker for Argentina, he's playing inside out, number nine on the wings. Um, He is a player that, Is at Manchester City now, was bought recently by River Plate in Argentina. He has seven goals in 20 games for City. Nobody really expected this player to play a huge role in this Argentina team going into the World Cup, but he has been critical to their success, involved in almost every single goal that Argentina has scored. And Argentina haven't given up any goals while Julian Julian Alvarez is on the pitch for Argentina. So I guess my question back to you then, Tom, is, Is this Messi's team or is this team overall better than we're giving it credit for? 
Basketball is back and BetOnline remains your number one source for all of your sport betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And as your continued source of all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf, and obviously the best sport in the world, soccer. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Please gamble responsibly. I think, I mean, it's part of it's Messi's team. Some of the stuff that he does to create goals is just magic. And some of the reason Alvarez has his room to work is because Messi draws so much attention from the defense. Um, You'll see four or five guys crowded around him. And we'll talk about this later with Mbappe. The same thing happens. And all of a sudden, Alvarez has a 1v1. So some of that is messy. But some of that is just this Argentina team is the best they've had in Messi's whole career. Um, You have people like DePaul who are doing great defensive work you have players like Alvarez who've stepped up to be you know more active in the press more uh, willing to drop in and defend than Messi is which gives him room to sort of do the messy things that he can without having to sacrifice some of his game and then players that you need to step up are stepping up in huge games Acuna has a bad game well then throw on Tagliafico who has the best game of his Argentine career um it's just been a great team performance all world cup yeah, absolutely. And they have an MLS player, Tiago Almada, on the team as well. He is the first active roster MLS player to make it to a World Cup final. So um, I don't, I'm not going to say yet who I'm rooting for in this final, but that definitely plays a huge part in this. Now, I, I did think also that Argentina had the role of the ball. I mean, it's really difficult if you're Croatia and you're watching that second goal go in where the ball just sticks to... <laughs> The Argentina team, like it's a magnet. I mean, two or three deflections that just stayed right in line with the Argentina's run and Julian Alvarez puts it away. Nice finish, it has to be said. But at the same time, as if you're Croatia, that has to be such a you know mind buster going into that halftime. But to me also, I thought it was going to be a closer match. Croatia didn't look good. Um were they found out in this game and is trying to get to penalties and win every knockout round a viable strategy in the World Cup? I mean, I think it's a strategy to get you far. I think it's really hard to bunker and counter against that many teams in a row for that many minutes in a row without eventually giving out a gas. So I think you do see that sort of play in a little bit. I also just think they sort of didn't, I don't know if they sat up, set up poorly but like they tried to play their entire attack through Perisic and test the left hand side of Argentina where I think maybe or the right hand side of Argentina maybe they would have had more success going down the other side um trying to attack Tagliafico who didn't really have to do anything and could just bomb up the field and play offense the whole game so I I don't know I'm I'm sort of struggling with how they set up their tactical shape how they start to set up their offense to sort of try and break down Argentina and then on the other end they just look tired (laughs) yeah and i think that is also from what i saw a credit to how argentina set up they really took away the center of the pitch from croatia and if you're looking at the really positive moments or the players that have been really important for croatia it's that kovacic modric 
middle of the pitch that really makes them go and helps them with those counterattacks, help them be really good in defense. And I thought Argentina did a really great job of just taking that uh, advantage away from Croatia. Now, interestingly enough, if we look at this France team going into the final, that is another piece of where they find strength. And something, a wrinkle that again, nobody expected going into this World Cup, is that Antoine Griezmann is playing in a central midfielder role for France, and they found a way to get their best 11 players on the pitch. So maybe just switching over to that France game, France beats Morocco 2-0. France defeats the first African team to make it to the semifinals. Shout out to Morocco for getting that far. Um, France scored early, and then they had to take some hits from this Moroccan squad. Um, I thought Morocco played really well throughout the game and were maybe unlucky to not get a better result. But Tom, what were your biggest takeaways from this match? Um, I sort of felt like I was watching a U.S. game. (laughs) I don't know if that's fair to say or not. It just sort of seemed like a team that was getting a lot of possession, working it around well, especially finding a lot of uh, attacking joy down their right-hand side with Ziyech and Hakimi but there was just no one on the end to connect any of the balls across the box. They hit so many dangerous balls. They were so danger adjacent, but there was no one there to actually be dangerous once they got into good positions. And it was really frustrating to watch because they have someone who can get on the end of a few of those balls. And I think that might end 2-2. Yeah, I agree. And France's goals were just kind of spur of the moment things that happened, especially that first one that bounced around in the box. Mbappe had some magic to it, but at the end of the day, it falls to Teo Hernandez's feet. He puts it in the back of the net and France then has to protect a 1-0 lead. I thought between the two games, and I wasn't necessarily expecting this, but Morocco showed a lot better than Croatia. And Morocco throughout this tournament have kind of built themselves into that underdog. And obviously no one expected them to be in the semifinals playing against France. But the fact of the matter is at the end of the day, they probably deserved to to draw that game, to go into extra time. Um, but it just yeah. seemed like all of their luck ran out in one match. And really that's all it takes. Yeah. Hugo Lloris also had a huge game. Um, yeah. That save that he had on the bicycle kick in the 43rd minute was one of the best I've ever seen. Just to push that onto the post was spectacular. I would have gone crazy if that that goal had gone down Um, and it would have changed the game completely. But yeah, I I think Morocco played really well. They really showed their quality. They showed how important it is in international soccer to play as a team, to play organized. And, you know, you can let your star players cook, but you've got to still defend as a team, play as a team. Um and have that compact organized defense if you want to be successful against these large teams. Yeah, and credit to France also because there were, I think it was a 60,000-seat stadium. About 45,000 of those seats were filled by crazy Moroccan fans making noise the entire game. So that must be a difficult lead to protect when you go out in front in five minutes. And that kind of messes with your game plan as well. If you're expecting to play one way, but... You know, you're protecting that lead and Morocco comes back and just gives it everything they have to get that tying goal. It's really difficult to stick to a game plan no matter what it looks like and no matter what the talent gap might be. Now, for as good as Morocco was, I think we do need to say France was an expected champion, uh, was an expected team to make it to the finals. And they've disposed now of England, of Morocco. Um, I forgot who they played in the round of 16. Poland. Poland. Okay, so they've beaten some good teams. England, I think, was another consideration for favorites of the tournament. 
how good was France in this game? Was it really just the game state that made it look like this? Or maybe is getting punched in the mouth a little bit before the final a good thing? I It can't be a bad thing for them. I was not impressed with their attack in the second half. Um it really felt like they were asking for Griezmann to come back and do a lot of defensive work. And in doing that, it took out pretty much the entirety of their outlet going forward, except for just hit it to Mbappe and let Mbappe do crazy athletic things. And that ends up <laughs> giving you chances and goals. So I, I wasn't really impressed with their attack, but like their defense stayed pretty organized. Um, Kanate particularly, I thought had a really good game. So there's, there's positives take, to take away from it for, for the team. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at some of those names on that starting 11 sheet and even the 26. I mean, it's just insane how much talent this French team has. We talked about Argentina, but I think it has to be said that in almost every position for France, that's a top two, three guy in the world. And that's this is their like B team. I'm going to go ahead and say that because look at how many starters they're missing. Benzema might be coming back, but Benzema's I out. I know people are going to shit on you in the, in the comments for this. <laughs> <laughs> Benzema's out. Um, Conte's out. Conte's the best holding midfielder in the world. Um, you're missing Paul Pogba, who probably starts for France, even though people don't want him to. Um, Nkunku is out. He can play in the attack and can start in the attack for this team. Um, I'm missing one who's also out in the midfield. Uh but I can't remember who it is off the top of my head. They've got like five major injuries right now. I guess Rabio is down right now. Upa Meccano is down right now. Um, uh, they've, they've just got so many starters who are out injured and they're still fielding best 11 players in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Even when you look at their center back core, you have to play two center backs. And I'm like, those are two of the best center backs in the world that you're yeah. playing next to each other. Um, you mentioned Mbappe's crazy athleticism. And I, I want to, just detour us a little bit before we talk about the final, because when we break down and look back and reflect upon Messi versus Ronaldo, I think those are two, you know, those are two players that are in the conversation for greatest player of all time. And what I love about those two is that they played in the television era where we could watch them. They played in the same league in two of the, in one of the best rivalries there is in world soccer And they represented two very different ways of playing the game. Messi is this, he was young and um, needed growth hormones because he didn't have a growth spurt at the right time. He's 5'7 or 5'8. He's tricky. He's silky on the ball. He has natural skill. He has technique and IQ. And then you look at Ronaldo and it's just like, this is a player who has gotten to the level because of the sheer grit and determination that he took to work harder than anybody else. And I think when you you know look back at some of their iconic goals, this kind of spells it out, right? Messi beating seven or eight players and recreating Maradona's World Cup goal for Barcelona and scoring. And then you think to Ronaldo, maybe the the bicycle kick against Juventus or the header that he scored when he jumped, I don't know, seven feet off the ground those really represented who those players were. Now, Mbappe is kind of the next player in this generation to potentially represent someone on that level. So, Tom, when you compare so far the performances of Messi versus Mbappe in this tournament in the 2022 World Cup, do you see one as more valuable than the other going into the final for their teams? I don't think I see one as more valuable. I think they just represent very different styles of 
playing the game where, you know, Messi wants to drop deep and get the ball and just sort of combine with little short one, two touches, um, beat someone off the dribble, um, not with his pace, but really just with how silky smooth he is. I mean, that goal he scored against, uh, or that assist he had against Croatia was magnificent, but it wasn't because of his, you know, blinding speed to just blow by everyone on the field. He just, you know, slowly worked Guardiola to make him look stupid. Um, he's one of the, been the, one of the best center backs in this tournament. Um, it was amazing to see. He made it look so easy. Um, whereas Mbappe, you see him just get the ball and just the second he's in any space or the second he's got someone 1v1, he's just going to be more athletic than you and he's going to beat you. And once he does that, he has a laser of a shot and he's going to score goals and draw defenders and create chances for his teammates. So it just sort of comes down to this sort of, idea of how you want to create chances do you want to do the whole creation yourself or do you want uh, through your dribbling or do you want to just sort of be the most athletic guy on the field yeah and it's it's crazy to think too that Messi beat Cavardial on a dribble to someone that's 15 years his younger and does that in the biggest stage on the world I mean it's just amazing to watch so Tom is Lionel Messi the greatest soccer player ever I he has to be at this point I I don't see any way where you could argue against it right now. I mean, you could go to some goal scoring records that Ronaldo still has. You could go to some trophies that Messi doesn't have yet that he might get this week. But um, I don't know. The way that Messi plays the game is so different from the way that Ronaldo and Mbappe and Holland and all these really elite goal scorers play. He's just so much more unique in his ability to create chances and play the whole game himself that, I don't know. His style of play makes it really in- hard for me to argue against him. Yeah. I am going to turn a little bit into Tom right now and give you guys some stats because <laughs> it, it, seeing a play is one thing and watching a player over years is one thing to build an opinion. But I think when we look back at this time of Messi and Ronaldo, those are two players that built a new level for legends of the game to go to. And what I mean by that is before we had Messi and Ronaldo, the best players ever or the best players in the world, players like Pele, Maradona, uh, Ronaldinho, Kaká, those were players that had the most big moments. Those were the players that constantly over time rose to the occasion. Whereas Messi and Ronaldo dominated. I think that's the word that I want to look to when I think about Messi and Ronaldo because they took that conversation of the greatest to the level of who is dominating more. And again, numbers speak for themselves. Lionel Messi scored 91 goals and assisted 22 times in one calendar year. He had 113 goal contributions in 69 games. So if Erling Erling Haaland or Kylian Mbappe were to reach the same heights as Messi, they would need to score 40 goals a season for the next 15 years. That's how good Messi and Ronaldo have been. So I really don't think we will ever see a player like Messi again. And my opinion is yes, whether Messi wins or loses this World Cup, Messi is the greatest soccer player to have ever lived. Mbappe and Holland may be the best of their generations, but it will be near impossible to meet the expectations and the the new level that Messi and Ronaldo took that conversation to. Oh yeah, it's insane. The level, the longevity too. I mean, Messi's playing like he's 25 again at this World Cup. It's crazy to see him do this at the age he's at. I, I don't understand how this is happening. 
And even, I mean, Ronaldo didn't have the tournament that he was hoping to or to that even came close to matching Messi's contributions. But at the same time, 37, 38 years old, you were just playing for Manchester United. Zlatan is up there, 40 years old. Like, it's Olivier crazy. Giroud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to throw him in the conversation of older players who are playing crazy good right now. I mean, he has had an excellent World Cup. So, yeah. they're... Yeah, it's it's crazy to see these players doing this at this age, but Ronaldo and Messi especially, I'm really impressed by it. I Messi too just captivates the imagination of so many people um, that it's really just hard to sort of understate his importance to the game. Yeah, I uh, I did see Messi play once at Camp Nou for Barcelona, and it. It is genuinely something different to watch him in person and to see him just levitate over the grass. And when he had the ball in dangerous positions or when he he did score a goal in the match that I was at, the entire crowd just in unity is chanting his name. Messi, Messi. Like that feeling I don't think will ever be taken away from what moments he gives to people whether they're Argentinian or just fans of the game. And that's another reason why I think Messi is the greatest of all time. Um, I mean, one last point on that too is, you know, you give out man of the match trophies, but Barcelona for years had to give out man of the match other than Messi trophies (laughs) because there was just no point in having one if you just sort of gave to Messi every single time. So, you know, that's, I don't think I've ever seen a player on that level before where it's just like, yeah, we know he was good. So let's talk about someone else because he's always going to be the man of the match. Even in this World Cup, Tom, Messi at yeah. 35 years old has has scored over an eight in every single match that he's played for Argentina yeah. so far. He, Julian Alvarez had two goals and an assist on a penalty kick he won, and he didn't get the man of the match trophy because Messi got it because he yes. was just as good. What I else do can wanna, you do? <laughs> you can't do anything. You just have to enjoy. And for someone like Julian Alvarez, he's probably grown up idolizing this player like Julian Alvarez is let's check his age. I'm sure he's early twenties. Messi is 35 at this point. So Julian Alvarez, since the time where he could kick a ball and really care about becoming a professional, Messi has to have been the number one player. 22. Okay. So 13 years between them. Yeah. Julian Alvarez has to have been. I saw a picture of them when they were, when he was 12 and he was like, Beaming is this little kid who is, you know, getting a picture with Messi and now like they're celebrating together on the field. Yeah, it's awesome to see. And uh, one one note that you made about the older players, I've been thinking about this a lot because with the, you know, gag impressing that has come into the meta of soccer tactics, the clop press, all of that, it feels like soccer has slowly become a young man's game where like 22, 23, 24 is now the prime of some players' careers before because it takes so much athletic ability, so much stamina to play in a way that's effective in today's footballing world. But to see Messi, Ronaldo, Giroud, Zlatan still doing it, I think there is a place for older, experienced, high high engagement, high productivity players. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get the same level of press from them, but you don't need to if everyone else is committed to it. Yeah, you build can your have team a around a Messi, easy as that. Yeah, I mean, you watch him like walk for most of the game. You know that he's going to do messy things. His heat map is not going to be great, but he's still going to produce moments of magic because he can do it. Like he he 
reads the game at so much better of a level than anyone, even a younger player, that like it doesn't yeah. matter if he's not playing, like playing at high intensity, he's gonna pick a spot and he's gonna destroy you. It's true. All right, Tom, let's talk about this final because Argentina is a team that likes to possess the ball. They like to move high and wide up the pitch versus a French team that doesn't necessarily care about pressing high up the field. I think tactically this could potentially favor a French team as well as what we talked about, the talent on the field. It seems to me objectively that France has a better roster than Argentina. But what do you see as the keys to this game, Tom? I think the key is going to be how does France handle the right-hand side of Argentina's attack. They have struggled two games in a row. Bakayo Saka tore them open down that side. Uh, Hakim Ziyech and Hakimi tore them open down the same side, created a lot of chances. Now they're going to be up against some combination of Lionel Messi and Angel Di Maria down that side. How do you handle that group? How do you um, limit them from creating chances? Because you know that Julian Alvarez is going to be on the end of anything that's produced down that side. I love the mind games here because Messi and Mbappe are likely going to play on the same side. And it's yeah. kind of like who who is dropping back into spaces to defend that space versus like neither of them really like to defend at all. And no. Messi is going to be someone that maybe hovers in an area a little bit more and picks his moments. But mm-hmm. Mbappe, like he, France plays in a way where after Mbappe is caught up the field, they'll shift into a... 4-4-2 with Mbappe just hanging up so that they can cover that left side, but it takes away spaces elsewhere when they're in yeah. their, their normal 4-3-3. So I love this mind game. I love this tactical battle that's going to happen. It's kind of like who can take advantage most of that space that's going to be left open. But it's also, you know, if Messi is terrorizing that side, Mbappe does need to drop back a little bit bit deeper and vice versa. If they're if Argentina is leaving tons of space for Mbappe to move in behind, Messi's gonna need to be a little bit more conservative. Or maybe Argentina potentially moves him more central so that he doesn't get exposed so much on that side. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who's brave enough to move their star centrally because you saw when Morocco started really pressing in the second half that France decided that their shape wasn't working, that the Mbappe island out on the left right left side of the field was not working. And so they took Giroud off and threw on Turam to do a little bit more of the defensive work and just sort of left Mbappe to hang up, up top, hang out up top. Messi can do that as well, but I think they've been playing more of a 4-4-2. So I think that their shape sort of lends itself better to Messi being, you know, just high up the field and more central. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the, how the two managers approach that battle to it. And I think it'll come down to which, you know, defensive lines are better able to protect against being exposed. Like who can stop that counterattack from happening? Who can erase the mistakes the midfield is inevitably going to create that are going to lead to chances. That's, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. I think even outside of that side of the pitch where Mbappe and Messi are going to be roaming, you have uh, very interesting storylines throughout this roster. I mean, you could have Olivier Giroud, one of the best, most physical strikers in the world, especially scoring with his head against a 5'9 Lissandro Martinez in the Argentina back line. So that's something that I'm going to be looking out for as well. Is there anything else outside of the superstars in this game that you're looking forward to, Tom? Um, I'm interested to see how Argentina's youth plays. Um, you have a lot of really good youth 
who are going to be playing in a very big moment. Julian Alvarez is 22. Uh, Alexi McAllister is 23. Christian Romero was 24 starting in the World Cup semifinal. There are some young players who are going to need to have big moments on both sides of the ball. Um, France is also a very young team. You've got players uh, like Chiumeni who are playing in their first World Cups as well. So how do these players handle that big moment? Um, and that's going to be a huge storyline to watch for this whole game. Do you think Benzema is going to be a storyline? Do you think he factors into this at all? I think the world wants Benzema to be a storyline and France, <laughs> the French national team want nothing to do with that. Uh, if, if you guys have no idea what we're talking about, there are some outlets right now. Uh, Benzema, right before the tournament started, got injured. There are outlets right now saying he was going to be healthy by the round of 16 and they should have kept him on the roster and are speculating that he's going to be back with the team in this final. I just don't see it happening. I... Also, no matter what player that is, unless maybe it's Messi or Ronaldo as a manager, I would maybe not want to mess with whatever's happening in the locker room, whatever's happening on the field. I've gotten this far with Olivier Giroud, Dembele, and Mbappe. I'm not going to mess with putting Benzema in there. And that's also the front three that uh, I forget who is in Dembele's spot, but that's at least Mbappe and Giroud were the players up top in France's last World Cup victory. So I do think that's also going to be a really interesting thing to to watch is the pressure on both teams. You mentioned the young players on Argentina. You mentioned Chimeni on France, this being his first World Cup. But there are a lot of players on this French team that were a part of that champions team in 2018. And for Argentina, I feel like that entire team will be playing for Messi. This is, can it be, the big question around this final is, is Messi finally going to win the one trophy he hasn't won before? And I think that is going to be the question and the pressure that is backing Argentina, whereas France is going to have that repeat going on in their heads and that pressure of having already done it and being there again. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. They've got a lot of players who started that World Cup final last time who will be on the field. Um, It was Griezmann, Mbappe, and Giroud across the front line, so your whole front line is back. You're rotating out your entire midfield, but you're keeping at least one of your back line in Varane. And I guess Teo Hernandez is starting now at left back instead of Lucas Hernandez, but um, Lurie is back as well. So you've got four or five starters who you're expected to start again in the final um, who started a World Cup final already, which is a huge deal for, uh, yeah. for this uh, French team. On the other hand, I think Argentina only returns one. From the 2014, maybe two. I don't know if Odomendi started that. Yeah. And you mentioned Hugo Lurie of Tottenham Hotspur. He is the most informed goalkeeper in the world right now, in the World Cup. So it's kind of that moniker, right? You go into the finals, you go into the tournament, and the team with the most informed goalkeeper defense might be the one to watch for that victory. So, Tom, I want to ask you now, what is your prediction for this match? Who wins the 2022 FIFA World Cup? I have Argentina winning a 2-1 game. That was going to be my scoreline, but uh, (laughs) I I guess, yeah, I'm going to keep it there because I do think that's what's going to happen. That's also what I kind of hope to happen. So maybe if I put on my more objective hat, I could flip that scoreline to France. But overall, I think this is probably, this is a, great game because it is two of the favorites two of the best teams in the world right now 
two amazing storylines as well. Mm -hmm. You can't really be upset at who wins this game. There's going to be good storylines all around. So as a neutral, not even picking a team necessarily, I think this is going to be a great game to watch for anyone that loves the sport or is just getting into it. This is going to be a great entertaining game. Oh, yeah. It always is. This is the World Cup final. I don't think I've ever regretted watching a World Cup final. All of them that have happened in my lifetime have been fantastic. So, you know, it's it's a game to enjoy. You're going to have some of the best teams in the world playing, the best players in the world playing, and they're going to give it their all because this is the ultimate game. This is what you play the game to. This is the moment you play the game for. So I, I'm just excited to see it. Absolutely. All right, Tom, we went through the semifinals, the finals, Mbappe, Messi, Ronaldo. What is your last word? Uh, Just, you know, stay safe, everyone. Have a happy holiday season. Um, I'm so excited that my semester is finally done. I can sort of go south, spend some time with family and friends and take a break from the pressures of life. So uh, I hope everyone gets that chance as well this break. Well said. Have a happy holiday, everyone. Thank you so much again to all of our channel members and Patreons for supporting us in that. And we will see you next time on It's Called Soccer to break down the World Cup final and talk about some of the other big things, big news happening in the U.S. soccer camps. We'll see you next time on It's Called Soccer. Peace. See you guys.